don't know. This this coffee is getting to me, man. That is some strong coffee. I just had my first sip. That was way stronger than I expected. Man, that percolator, uh, Puerto Rican coffee is something else. I you, told you didn't you. warn me about the how strong the coffee was going to be. Also, you ground it, but the grounds were kind of coarse. So I was like, I didn't even know if it was going to work. But man, <laughs> that, that just hits different. It does, doesn't it? Well, not only is the coffee strong, but our show is going nuts. Have you seen how much our show has been blowing yeah, up this week? I had no idea what was happening at first, but we've gained, what? We have 78 subscribers on YouTube now. Which I think we had 20, oh, maybe yeah, like 23. It was like 23 at the beginning of the week. Yeah. And, and now we're up to 78. We've got over 100 Podbean followers now. Yeah, it was, that one was at 38, and now, when I looked earlier, it's now 154. And this all, like, I forgot that I emailed Podbean and asked, hey, can we be featured on the homepage? Page just for a little while and they're like yeah january 2020 and i was like whatever like they're they're that not gonna forever ago exactly I mean, <laughs> and i guess someone someone put us on some kind of rotation but yep um, and so uh listeners uh thank you for all of your support i mean it's been kind of crazy to watch how many people have apparently found our show and enjoyed it in fact ethan it might be worth taking just a moment and let's assume that uh, some of the people listening to this will be new subscribers who haven't heard us before. Okay. Uh, so we call this show What's the Res? Um, t- explain the point of the title. We uh, So What's the Res is referring to the resolutions in the current world of high school debate where we pretty much just discuss the different topics that um, the NSDA puts out, Dogwood, Turn- uh, Dogwood Speech and Debate League puts out, the Calvin Coolidge Foundation puts out. We just describe all of the different debate topics, go into some depth with a little bit of topic analysis. We bring experts onto the show for interviews, and we just talk a lot about debate strategy and talk to some pretty interesting people. So that's yeah. pretty much what What's the Res is all about. That's that's our show. Uh, and it, a- doesn't, it doesn't necessarily just need to be for debaters, too, because we've got some cool interviews. We talk about, I mean, you just did the episode about Iran a little while ago. Yeah, which um, I mean, which ostensibly was about nuclear weapons globally, which and makes ended sense. Up mostly being about Iran, and was then super topical because, of course, this week has been like, are we starting World War Three? Is is that a thing? I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's it, everyone's been really on edge lately, and TikTok and Instagram are going crazy with the memes. I don't know if you've seen any of these, but some I, of them are really funny. But I've seen drafted. a few, but not many. I, I I don't follow memes as well as you. Yeah, do. Everyone's posting all this stuff about how not to get drafted. <laughs> That's a whole nother question about civic responsibility and do you actually owe, have a duty to your state to die if the state asks you to give your life for them? Yeah, that's a whole nother thing, though. Back we'll, to our we'll patron saint of debate, uh, Socrates. And if, make uh, a, make a premium episode. Do that. Oh, yeah. Man, uh, we're, yeah, we, we could. We could do a premium episode on that, which we should also mention is a whole nother arm of our podcast for all of our subscribers because in, uh, in the sales world, you have... Uh, I remember my brother telling me about one of the most important numbers was your conversion rate, where you mm-hmm. get your conversion rate is the number of how many cold calls does it take to actually get to a single sale. Yeah. And for all of these uh, followers on, on various platforms, we have zero new subscribers to our premium stuff. So maybe somebody listening to this will be like, oh, I want to subscribe. Uh, we do want, we release one premium episode debate, one premium debate episode per month. Where we have, we call them real debates by real people. We have a recorded debate, and uh, our most recent one is on uh, resolved: the United States federal government should decriminalize marijuana. The that that'll be going out uh, probably pretty close to when this episode drops. We'll try and release that the second week of January. Our December episode was on the resolution: resolved people with PhDs ought to be called by the title doctor. We have a lot of fun. We got with some these good debates. stuff. Yeah. So. 
Anyway, you can access those at our website. If you go to whatstherez.com, Ethan's got it all set up with a big banner. You click the banner, and it'll walk you through the next steps. Uh, well, we should probably also introduce ourselves. My name's Josh Herring. My name is Ethan Delves. This and is the What's the Res podcast. Excellent. Cool. Let's get to... Oh, uh, let's not forget. Uh, we do have some exciting debate tournaments coming up. Are, yep. are you ready for Durham? Yep, I am... Well, no, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, well, I've... You saw my cases. I wrote some cases before break. Um, the holidays happened, and now I have exactly what I started with. So I'm going to be working on my Durham cases throughout the next week, the rest of this week. Um, but what I'm really excited for is Harvard. Oh, it's going be to so Harvard. good. Yeah, we're, like only, Durham, we're five weeks away. Durham was like the tournament of last year, and it, it went pretty well too, But besides Coolidge, obviously, because Coolidge is always a classic. But now that we have Harvard, like Durham is just going to be a warm-up this year. I'm is. so excited for Durham Academy. That's always been a good tournament. It's still a two-day tournament, right? It is. Okay. So they have... Uh, I think, if I remember the emails correctly, uh, Crawford sent out word that apparently Public Forum is going to break to Triple Ox. Wow. And okay. I think LD is also going to break to Triple Ox to finals, nice. which is good news. Yeah, that is good news. So, All right. Sounds good to me. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to work on my cases, see yeah. how it goes. Oh, and uh, I, I should also mention that today I'm very excited that uh, at least as of today, January 8th, uh, President Trump's word is de-escalation between the United States and Iran. So yeah. we're probably not going to war. You probably won't be drafted, but awesome. still. And you will probably won't be drafted. That's true. I mean, I'm 31. I'd, I'd like to think I'm too old, but I'm probably not. I probably could still be drafted. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've still got like half a year left until I'm 18, so I'll just wait it out. All right. Well, Ethan, uh, what, what's our current public forum resolution? Current resolution is resolved. The United States should end its economic sanctions against Venezuela. It's it's a fun resolution. It's um, good. Yeah. Yep. There's plenty. Of, I mean, it's literally all over the internet. So there's plenty of resources, plenty of stuff to dig into, plenty of crazy arguments to make, as always. It's true. And we are, of course, doing this sort of out of order. Our, our normal paradigm is to do a resolution analysis episode first and then expert interviews later. Uh, it ended up working out this time around that I had a friend who helped me connect with a Venezuelan lawyer living in D.C. Her name's Analicia Vamonde Stoles. She definitely knows a lot more about this topic than we do. She does. Yeah. And uh, that, that's a couple episodes back, listeners, if you want to check that out and haven't already. That's, uh, you can find that on all of our, all of our platforms. But uh, her interview was really helpful. And then I discovered I have a friend I met through a, a couple writing projects, Tom Darren Linsky. Uh, Tom had lived in Venezuela for a few years, and then he gave us kind of a different perspective. Analicia had kind of a high-level, governmental, lawyer perspective. Tom's interview tended to focus more on, here's how this actually affects the people, and how the internal corruption of Venezuela is also a huge complicating factor. So it's, I mean, it's great to have those two angles, too. So this is, this is really going to be more of an overview episode discussing the main arguments. I'm going to be digging into Reddit because you guys have been posting some good stuff. Um, but I would definitely point to those interviews for a more in-depth analysis for this one. Well, that being said, uh, any any initial kind of gut reactions, uh, initial thoughts on this resolution, Ethan? Yeah, my first question is how extensive are the sanctions, which a ton of people have been talking about because it seems like most of the sanctions that the U.S. has – and first of all, it's not just the U.S. Like tons of Europe has sanctions on Venezuela as well. Um, and, and the main question seems to be how extensive are the sanctions because we seem to have sanctions on some individuals, individual elites uh, in Maduro's cabinet, I guess you could call it. Mm -hmm. And But it doesn't seem like 
the sanctions are entirely effective because it's not like Cuba where we sanctioned the entire nation. Right. Or there's this complete embargo, but it's different. It's, it seems to be more selective. So then that, that puts into question the integrity of the sanctions and how effective they actually are. Which, of course, ties to the purpose of the sanction. Because if the, if the goal was to just cripple the Venezuelan economy and destroy it, I would agree with you that it's not very effective. But if the goal was to uh, target high-level individuals and remove their ability to work in the economy, then that kind of specific targeted, or targeted sanction could be very effective. Uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite lines from the Gospels where uh, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you take a, take somebody's treasure away, man, that's that's going to hit them where it hurts. I was just reading Calvin Coolidge's autobiography, and he quoted something very similar to that. So it's funny that that just lined up that way. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Uh, well, I know there's – so about the sanctions, there are – you mentioned individual sanctions. There is, of course, also an oil embargo that the United States has passed against Venezuelan oil. So President Trump has taken an existent package of sanctions and expanded that to really hit Venezuela's chief export. And they have the largest oil reserves on the planet. And the United States is not purchasing from them. So I'm assuming that the oil embargo would fit under the general title of sanctions. Exactly. That, that's, fair so that's, that's, that's part of the sanction that we're talking about. Because the Venezuelan economy is... Uh, on the one, in the one hand, it's really interesting. Uh, and it's tragic at the same time. Because they have so many natural resources. The largest oil and largest gold reserves in the world. And yet, over the last 20 years of socialist rule, first by Hugo Chavez and now by Chavez's heir, uh, Maduro, what you have is an economy that has really consumed its own resources from within. That's such a sad thing to see, too, though, as a nation with so many resources and it's just oh. all going to waste. Like, that's terrible. Right. So, yeah. Oh, but, so for that. the Venezuelan economy as a whole, their, their welfare has been tied to the, pri- the international price of oil. Uh, so that's... Uh, attack, uh, attacking the export of oil does also hit the, their economy as a whole. I'm reading this thing right now. This is by um, u-debatedude123 on Reddit. I'm going to oh, give man. credit credit to all of these people because yes, this is not my it. stuff. Um, and he definitely he cited this from somewhere. I get a, we get to ask at some point where he got it from. Um, but he said that the GDP in Venezuela has contracted by more than 15% every year since 2016. So we're that, seeing a rapid, rapid reduction. As I mean, as, I mean, we've seen for a while at least. In Venezuela, for I mean, it's still really recent, but it's well, consistent. That, that which is fits what with the data that the Brookings Institute came out with, where they talked about Venezuela's economy has contracted by sixty-five percent over the that last fits. five years yeah. or so. So we're probably talking about the same data in two different ways there. Now, one other bit of context before we get into affirmative and negative argument suggestions, and uh, you go more deep diving into Reddit. Yeah. Um, uh, are you familiar with uh, the relationship between Maduro and a guy named Guaido? No, I'm not. Okay. Let me do a brief bit of context then, and then give me your thoughts on this. All right. So, as I understand the story, uh, you have Hugo Chavez was the beloved nationalist leader elected to be the uh, president of Venezuela, and... Under his rule, he nationalized a lot of key industries. So by the time he dies, Venezuela is functionally a socialist country. Unlike a lot of other socialist countries, they have a huge export that's bringing in tons of money. So the normal process of socialism is consumptive. It's not very good at producing. So the economy consumes itself. Well, 
uh, Chavez dies, and when he dies, he names Maduro as the guy that he wants to be his heir. Now, Chavez wa was, and to a lot, to many people, still is a beloved leader of the country. Uh, and so Maduro, getting his blessing, sort of ensured that he would be the heir apparent, and so on. Maduro runs and is elected, and he then, when the re-election comes around, uh, Maduro begins playing electoral shenanigans. Uh, and he proclaims himself something, some equivalent of president for life, something to that effect. When a new election is up, he proclaims himself to have won. However, this is where this guy, where Guaido comes in. Guaido is the president, uh, or he's the head of their parliamentary association, their representative body, uh, which I think is also called a Congress, but it's their, their group. And Maduro is in power after the election, but is no longer duly elected. So based on the Venezuelan constitution, the authority to be president would devolve on the head of the Congress, which is Guaido. So that brings us to the present moment where you have two different men, Maduro and Guaido, claiming to be president of Venezuela. Maduro has the backing of a lot of the military. Guaido has the backing of a lot of Venezuelans who are very unhappy with how bad the economy is under Maduro. And the, and the United States has also gone on the record as affirming the Guaido presidency. Now, at the same time, what you then have, since Maduro controls the military, he is the de facto ruler, but you have this ongoing struggle, and the United States is attempting to influence Venezuelan politics without actually intervening militarily, which is where the sanctions come in as a way to try and push Venezuela towards Guaido without committing American lives and, and resources. This kind of harkens back to that Coolidge resolution with unilateral free trade that we had where everyone on Meg was like, but wait, we, we can't give up sanctions. We can't give up sanctions because it's not, it's not like we're doing nothing, but it's also not like we're in, invading this place. So it's the perfect, it seems like the happy medium for a, a lot of people, or at least in that debate, in the I, case no, of unilateral I, free trade, it did. I think you're absolutely right because the sanction is a way of recognizing that economics is not just about the bottom line of dollars and cents and balance of trade, economics also becomes a way to influence policy. Exactly. So it's, it probably is appropriate now to point out that the purpose of these sanctions is to put pressure on Maduro so that he'll back down and hopefully we can get Guaido into office or at least have some sort of alternative. Though before we go too far down that road, I, I do think it's important to point out that um, we are dealing with two shades of the same type of politician. It's not, this is not an old Western where the good guy has on a white hat and the bad guy has on a black hat. Yeah. Um, Maduro is a socialist military dictator. Uh, we don't know if Guaido would be a military dictator. He is also very socialistic. So there is no kind of, there, there, this is not a case of like, ah, if Guaido is in charge, everything will change. He might just be exactly like what has been going on. So it looks like that this resolution comes down to, are the sanctions effective or not effective? And if they are effective or if they're not, how do we analyze that effectiveness and make a choice? Which there seems to be a couple of different routes that people can take with this one. So, which is part of why I actually like this resolution. Usually the public forum ones put me off a little bit because they seem like... It, I, I'm actually just going to chalk that up to because I'm an LD debater, but this one's great. 
I think this one's awesome. Like, oh, there's, it's a there's... good resolution, good ground on both sides. Yeah, we I think get so. into a couple arguments now. I think so. All right, you uh, kick it off. Go all for right. it. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll shell out uh, three arguments that I see here on AF, and uh, then I'll toss it your way. All right. So if I was arguing affirmative and contending that uh, the United States should, uh, should stop using these sanctions, um, the first thing I would want to do is probably begin with looking at the fact that sanctions are ineffective. Uh, that they they have not actually caused the governmental political change that the United States government is going for. I might look at um, one one place I might go to to begin sourcing that is uh, game theory and looking at the idea of a rational actor. Because if the goal here is to use sanctions in order to get Maduro to step down and willingly, peacefully transfer power, that's assuming that Maduro is a rational actor who will do what is in the obvious best interest of the country. And so far, there's nothing of his rule that has shown that he he acts that way. So this really means that sanctions are ineffective. Secondly... Uh, A quick Googling earlier turned up several articles that are looking at the difficulty of Venezuelans getting uh, basic medical supplies into the country because of trade sanctions. Now, there is some disagreement about this. I know uh, Annalisa Vamonde-Stoll said this really is not how it goes, but there are several articles from various reputable sources that disagreed with her. But I think there's a case to be made Uh, that sanctions are actually preventing people from getting what they need in order to live well. Um, HIV-positive folks are unable to access American-made medicines. You have uh, people who uh, who are in need of kidney dialysis, unable to get updates to machines and so on. So you have access to a, because sanctions are preventing normal trade relations, it's harming quality of life, which if you then carry that into an access to health care as a basic human right, you could tee this into sanctions are, are actually harming human rights for Venezuelans. And it's it's appropriate to point out, I guess, at this point that this is mainly affecting the poor because we've got those elites at the top who could obviously afford all of this stuff and at least find some way to get the medical attention or whatever sure. it is that they need, um, which is a common argument that I've seen all over the internet too, is that the sanctions are only hurting the poor and especially in these key areas like medicine that you were talking about. Right. Which though, and that, that argument though is of course ignoring the fact that these, a lot of these sanctions are specifically targeting the assets that Maduro's cabinet members have in the United States. So we have the general trade trade issue sanctions, but we also have specific sanctions that are trying to really target those. We'll get into those here in a moment. We also know that China and Russia back Venezuela. So this also raises a question. If they back Venezuela, then why are all these people suffering so much? If they could easily get these supplies from China and Russia, which it seems like they can't, and that the U.S. would better be able to provide these things but so that the backing may not be as strong there, I guess you could say. Or, or, or I'm just wondering if you have two major powers backing you, how could you be in such a bad spot? I could be, but I, I don't know the nature of that support. And, yeah, exactly. That's uh, what I, that got a little yeah. muddled down when I started thinking about it. So I guess I'm sure someone out there listening to this has done plenty of research on that could answer that question for us. So if you do have an answer for us, be sure to email us at whatstheres.gmail.com because I have no idea, But um, which is why we're just going over the basics. Right. Two other argument suggestions I've got. 
on this. Um, Pro could certainly argue that sanctions are ineffective. The current government has proven to be harmful to South America in general and their own people. And it's actually in the Venezuelan people's best interest for the United States military to invade and set up a uh, some sort of military dictatorship for a time until Venezuelan rule can be restored in a way that allows Venezuelans to flourish within their own economy. So now, uh, just fair warning, that's that argument's going to be a hard sell. Mm-hmm. I don't see that one succeeding, um, but I know you told me there's been a lot of people on Reddit talking about how difficult the pro side is here. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's, again, just going back to the effectiveness of sanctions because the sanctions really don't look like they're working, so the best ground on NEG almost seems like we just need to stop doing something that isn't working, mm-hmm. but for affirmative, we're struggling to find places where the sanctions are effective so that we can actually justify keeping them. Right. Now, the last argument uh, is, is a rather libertarian argument, And uh, so, again, we're considering we have these sanctions that don't seem to have produced much change over a couple of years. Uh, A a libertarian version of this argument would basically ask the question, why on earth does the United States federal government care about what the Venezuelan country is doing to itself? Which I suppose would be the easiest case to make because it's a little more generic and you could apply it to a ton of other resolutions. And I'm sure there's 50 of these pre-made online already, Uh, but it just seems like a typical isolation, we're not going to deal with this kind of leave-it-alone case. Uh, then there, and, and then you can just plug in this one little Venezuela card to make it nice and catered to the resolution. Uh, I'm sure that's that, that's probably the case, and it would certainly... It, that, too, is going to be difficult to, to make that argument, but I think it could be rather effective. I've, I've not heard many... The, the debaters I've encountered, I have yet to encounter anybody in our circuit, at least, that is willing to make a staunchly isolationist libertarian case. Usually people are kind of assuming, ah, international collaboration is the way to go. Let's get an international coalition. Yeah, but um, we're not collaborating. We're interfering. <laughs> that's true. I'm trying. I'm going to give I'll give it a shot. Okay. But I'm not debating this resolution, so if anyone out there is going to give it a shot, let us know, because that would be really cool. Right. But the affirmative seems to be jumping around to a ton of alternatives that would be better than sanctions, but as it currently – or wait, hang on. Yeah, so these are just basically all the alternatives that we could have. To sanctions, and we're either looking at military invasion or not caring. Basically, yeah, I think so. Or so it's either military invasion, we don't care, or they do work, so we should keep them. Those kind of are our options here. So we, I mean, yeah, it, I don't really see much more than that besides those offshoot cases that you know in, everyone comes up with. In both of the previous episodes I've done on this resolution, I asked my uh, guest. Uh, what are your what's your opinion on the resolution? And they did not see any reason to stop the sanctions. They thought actually sanctions were the best route, in part because, uh, and I'm, I'm sure several of our listeners are familiar with this, but throughout the 1980s, the CIA infamously interfered in a variety of Latin and South American internal affairs. Uh, we are responsible for overturning various South American governments and assassinating multiple uh, heads of state and so on. None of that ever works out well. It is not a good idea for the United States to get militarily involved in Venezuela. At the same time, it seems necessary to use our influence to positively in, to positively shape Venezuela because you have millions of people who are suffering. I, I, I think I've told you about uh, what I, I, I saw portrayed in one article rather jokingly as the Venezuelan diet. There's uh, one group that just went into Venezuela to study the body mass index of the average Venezuelan. And across 2016 into 2017, the average Venezuelan dropped 20 pounds. Mm. 
Wow. Now, some people can drop 20 pounds and it'd be no problem. When that's your national average, yeah. that is a huge problem. And it's not because they're voluntarily going to the gym a lot. There's literally not enough food being produced in the country. So you have an enormous human rights crisis that is, is ongoing. You also have between 4 and 5 million Venezuelans have fled from Venezuela to go live all over the world and they're desperately wishing for something positive to happen with their homeland. It seems like negative is just going to be advocating, we need to remove the sanctions, here's 20 ways they don't work. And then the affirmative's main question is, well, what else are we going to do? Like, what's the better option here? And I'm reading this other Reddit post. It's by u-easy underscore lemon underscore squeezy. Um, <laughs> that's a cool <laughs> username. I'm dying about these <coughs> names, Ethan. Okay. Easy Lemon Squeezy says, or is asking... Um, that for the Venezuela topic, would the affirmative providing an alternative um, plan be considered an actual plan for the public forum case? And it seems like the general consensus of Cup Cuppa and Policy Forum 27, those two users, would say, yes, that would be considered a plan. So you need to actually have it prepared in the format of a plan where we're looking at, here's the alternative, justify the alternative. So it's looking a little policy-ish, but I think it's justified because this is a very policy-esque resolution. So you're, if you're making an affirmative case... Make sure you've got an alternative because I'm, if you I'm don't, just gonna you're in trouble. Point out that this is literally how public forum is slipping into policy. Slipping into this is full. This is full send. Oh, like, what you're what you're describing is, but public forum as a style of debate was literally started to get away from some of the demands right, that yeah. policy debate has. So, in terms of the debate theory and the style of public forum, I would encourage people to avoid plans. So here's my last my last tangent question, I guess you could call it, All is right. where do you draw the line between advocating for an alternative thing and making a plan? Oh, that's hard. All right, yeah, we'll I, make another episode for it some other time. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toy with that for a second. All right, go ahead. The, go ahead. the at least... I'm trying to think how... I, the way I was taught in college was that your a plan has a specific set of pieces that goes into it, where you have a plan text, you have a time frame, agency, and funding all worked out. And that it's it's specifically proposed as kind of the... it's And it, it's based on the way a plan is presented in an active bill passed by Congress, because you're actually... it's In policy debate, you're proposing and mm -hmm. defending policy. Right. So in public forum, I think I would be I, – I would draw that line really at the form of the argument. So if you stand up and around and say, all right, judge, based on the resolution, this is clearly a policy resolution. So I'm going to present you – here's my plan text. It will be enacted by the United States Congress. It goes into effect June 1st, 2020, funding by normal means. I'm going to draw a big X on my flow over that debater and be like, this is not policy. This right. is public forum. This but if you stand up and say, all right, judge, clearly the what we have in the status quo is not effective. A much more effective route is to form a coalition to rescue this economy and working through the Latin American Economic Salvation Forum or whatever. But the policy plan format encourages people to be more thorough with their alternative But they idea. have eight minutes for every speech, and they have, what, three constructive speeches across an hour and a half Something like format? that. Yeah. I mean, it's... Public forum literally just does not structurally allow for that. So if you don't have the amount of time, and the only way to even get close is if you speak so fast, you have to you have to disclose your case to your opponent and the judge, and that's just no longer really debate. I agree with that. 
I think most judges would be looking for something plan-ish. Ish. You wouldn't looking. You would not I, be looking well, for anything I, but like an saying, actual plan. Not an actual plan, but I I'm not opposed to a to a suggestion or to having something concrete to point to instead of the status quo. I'm with you on that. But in terms of a formal, structured policy style plan, I don't think that belongs in public forum. All right, we could leave that there. I think that's fine. All right, I walked us through what I have for for AF. You want to uh, tackle Neg? I'll, I'll jump in as yep. need be. If we got a couple things for neg the first one is that sanctions are the best non-military way to influence venezuela which again hearkening back to the unilateral free trade thing seems like sanctions are just our default thing that we do for when we don't want to use our military and invade somewhere we don't want to just leave something alone it's like what are we really going to do besides put sanctions on someone so i mean it just seems like a generic argument but it works really well with the resolution we also have that the maduro government is unconstitutional so it's unjustified we need to put pressure on them and then affirmative can or we can just get the other side i guess which is call into question how effective these actually are so you would have to have a good case for why sanctions actually do something well, the unconstitutionality part there becomes important when we consider that the United States is doing this. And it is since we are a constitutional government, it is in our interest to support the constitutional rule of other countries. So if we allow another country, or not allow, but if we encourage another country to be governed in violation of its own constitution, we're really rejecting the very framework of legitimacy that gives our government its foundation. But is ignoring it encouraging it? Is, I mean, we're on neg. You no, know, no. I'm just asking in general. Is ignoring the uh, like I'm contending with this to try to strengthen. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. Um, if you ignore it, you're at least tacitly endorsing it. Is the position I would take there. All right. If you have the ability to at least oppose it and you do nothing, there's some level of complicitness there. Okay. So then the third point we have on neg is that sanctions pr- preserves Venezuelan resources for a better Venezuelan government, and sanctions are just basically a savings account. This is focusing primarily on those individual sanctions. Um, I get this argument from Annalicia Vamonde Stoles. She argued that uh, there are millions of dollars worth of Venezuelan assets currently stored in United States investments and banks and properties. Those assets are currently frozen by the United States federal government under these individually targeted sanctions. Her perspective was that those assets are invested as they are because they have basically been stolen from the Venezuelan people. And if you have a new government that's in power, it's going to need capital to get an economy up and running again. And that these sanctions are making sure that those Venezuelan assets are not spent somehow. So that this becomes kind of, ah, the United States has locked down these assets for a time. Uh, The Guaido government is in power and the Trump administration is, oh, we like the Guaido government. We release all those back entrusted to the current government, not given back to their previous owners. And that government now has all these resources to sort of reboot the Venezuelan economy. I like AF a lot. (laughs) You like AF? Yeah, but most people are saying that there's not ground on AF is what you're saying? You were saying that there's no ground? That's what you were telling me. No, I was asking you. When when I walked in earlier, before we started recording, you were saying that there's not that much ground on AF? I don't, I, I don't know. The sanctions how... are just ineffective. But what else do we do? Leave it alone. I mean, not care. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say that. I... <laughs> okay, so you're embracing our, our this is this our, is literally our, like our cold, heartless libertarian argument for this is literally like a casual discussion of what the debates are going to look like at the tournament. I mean, they're ineffective, but what else? So this really comes down to these are ineffective, but what else are we going to do? I, I think so. So negative. Just find one case or like one sanction that's just so good that we can't get rid of it. What do you think? Like the lockdown thing. 
That makes that makes sense. I mean, it, we're we're locking down the assets. We we can't let this money be spent, or else. Oh wait, no. That also. This is a good point. This is a good place to bring this up too. Is that? Oh, but I don't have the user's name. It was if someone was basically talking about the hot money thing that I was oh, telling yeah, you about. Yeah. We're making mm-hmm. the coffee. Um, where removing sanctions from Venezuela could cause a ton of cash influx into Venezuela so that it would cause global recession or something, or Venezuelan recession, and then just, you know, make that global recession. Um, I'm going to have to find the username for that, so I actually said that eventually. But um, I guess, like, it sounds like kind of a jump to me, but um, it I guess it kind of makes sense where you have, like, massive... But again, we're not the only ones with sanctions on Venezuela. So it's not like there'd be a massive influx of resources because we've still got tons of Europe with sanctions on Venezuela and they're still backed by China and Russia. So I can't I can't see this having so much of an effect if we lift our sanctions, I guess. Which could say. be a which could be another argument really on on Neg that if we continue our sanctions, this is a place where we the United States government are playing ball with the international community and we are standing with the generally agreed upon uh, global powers that this government is bad. And so that, that might be a good argument on, on NEG, on AF. If you really kind of embrace that isolationist tendency, then rejecting what the rest of the world is doing might also be kind of a strong point to say, no, just because the rest of the world is, uh, is, is punishing Venezuela in this way doesn't mean we need to. But then it, someone's going to come back and ask, like, well, if we leave Venezuela, then China and Russia are going to gain a hold of it, and then they're going to have their power increased in the world. We need to maintain our hedge money. Like, yep, there, there's, so there's, there's, a, there's a classic response. I'm just going to list off a couple of things that Debate Dude 123 hooked us up with on Reddit. He said um, that you, you. Debate Dude 123? Have you ever used Reddit? No, this is, I don't use Reddit. I mean,. Reddit usernames get creative. Like I, I know this yeah. is where a lot of debaters hang out on the internet. I, I don't do Reddit. I, okay. I draw the line at Instagram. I got into Instagram purely for podcast advertising, but I, I don't do Reddit. Debate dude, I like the username. So if you're listening to this, cool username. I, okay, anyways. Um, his, he said that he's trying to prove the point. I'll just set it up like this. He says, sanctions would not take Maduro out of his position for many reasons. One, Venezuela's economy is already broken. So basically, I guess the implication there is that lifting sanctions won't do anything. The embargo leaves some cash flows untouched, with it, which I think is one of the strongest arguments on that side. The poor would be hurt the most, not the regime. Um, China and Russians still support Venezuela. And then the last thing is, it just says, remember Cuba, question mark. And it has a small explanation, like, well, they didn't do much with Cuba, so why, why are we relying? Why are we if they didn't do much in totality with total application with Cuba? How are we relying on individualized and specific sanctions to work in Venezuela? Well, the I mean, it's it's not true that they did nothing for Cuba. Yeah, I mean they did it. It did that. It did harm the Cuban economy, but the Cuban economy, uh, the the Castro brothers have done more damage to Cuba's economy than the United States has ever done. Yeah, I mean, and I think the same is true with Venezuela. They have harmed themselves. Uh, I don't really know which side it fits under, but there, I think there could be a that's, good that's argument. The sanctions are ineffective part. Right. So that's that's affirmative tearing down the sanctions before they provide their alternative. Th- those five points okay. would fit under the first, I guess you could say half of the affirmative case. Where like, yeah. like, we're deconstructing sanctions, so like here's why they're not working, and here's what we need to do instead, which is not provided under that post, which is fine, because sure. that, those were great reasons why sanctions may not be viable. Um, it's just the alternatives that people seem to be really agitated over right. what we're going to do for an alternative. And honestly, probably back under AF, one more AF argument that um, might be looking at, this is kind of more on the, probably under the, why is this our problem, or why do we care mm-hmm. as the United States? But it's the idea that whatever solution comes for Venezuela needs to come from within Venezuela. 
the United States applying external pressure is not going to be able to effectively solve Venezuela's problems long term. I guess, but then you saw how Chavez did and Maduro's doing now. Like, that's not our doing. That's them choosing their leaders. And they're, they're right. those leaders, I guess you could say, coming to power would be a better way of putting that. I mean, gaining control of the military and the Congress or cabinet, whatever you want to call it. So would leaving them alone really solve the problem? It just looks at the fact that whatever an effective solution has got to come from within Venezuela Why rather than outside because an outside an outside solution is ultimately only going to be oppressive to the national identity of Venezuela for Venezuela their their own national identity ha- or their their they need to solve their own problems in the same way that for uh, now this is to take this back down to a uh, a proverb level uh, right. I'm, I'm sure you've heard the the old saying if you teach a man to fish no if you uh, if you give a man a fish you feed him for a day Okay. Teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. If you have if he is a if the guy is able to fish and solve his own need for resources, he's self sufficient to uh, use some of our Thales outcome language, he's much more self reliant. Then you could just say Trump is teaching them how to fish because he's putting sanctions on them so they hey, now they uh, maybe, but but you're 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 going more the uh reductio ad absurdum direction yep. with this. I'm just suggesting if we're fishing for all kinds of random arguments, we might also consider constructing a case around the fact that for Venezuela to be a healthy, strong country uh, in terms of its national economy, in terms of the Venezuelan people being able to flourish long term, then Venezuela has to solve its own issues. If the United States comes in and does the whole, we're America, we save you kind of thing. Not only does that obligate the United States to being there in perpetuity, it also prevents the Venezuelan people from taking care of their own country in perpetuity. So the sanctions is not us kind of reaching in and trying to fix Venezuela's problems. It's just kind of us working on the periphery and saying, until you get this fixed to a way that is satisfactory to our way of life and way of thinking, we're not doing business with you. But if we were to go past that, it really becomes a matter of interference and really getting into another country's business that is not America's business. So really what Neg is hoping for is some kind of evidence that sanctions are going to put enough pressure on Maduro to put him out of power. But And, and, and unfortunately, on, when I've Googled this, no. pretty much all the articles are titled, Why the Sanctions Won't Put Maduro Out of Power. So I'm sorry, Neg. Like, right. But is, again, like... Are, you well, see, and if not Maduro out of power, it certainly could put a, if perhaps enough pressure on Maduro's supporters that they stop supporting him. Because a dictator is only as powerful as the people who support him. Especially of all of it's their assets that are frozen in the United States, so they can't get access to their money, which puts into question like why are they elites if they can't if all of their money's gone? But I'm assuming it's not all their money; it's just it's that probably, literally I, no expertise there for me, no expertise there for like. I don't know. We have to that's, ask people. Yeah. We, we need an interview for that. That's yeah. not us. So uh, that that's probably about all I have on this particular topic. Anything? Any I was about to say. I was about to say. Let's get to values, but then I realized that it's public forum. It's so, public forum. So, so sad. No, we're we're leaving this without a discussion. Though, as always, I mean, we we've kind of hashed around or gone around values about nationalism and leadership well, yeah, and, well, and values and are always present it's just like whether or not you're going to make it part of the debate but they're there like, right it's, it depends on just what course you go with the case so i guess the, the way that i see it is that affirmative just needs to talk about why sanctions are ineffective and um all of the 
negative effects that, or if you say they're ineffective, you can't really lit. I, I guess you're saying they're ineffective in their intended purpose. We talked about that earlier. So I was just, I was phrasing that confusingly, but you affirmative is basically trying to prove that sanctions are ineffective in their intended purpose. And they have all of these negative consequences. They're hurting the poor, everything that de- debate dude, one, two, three talked about on his post. Um, so then here's a viable alternative for negative. It sounds like the best point of attack would be on that viable alternative. And just to have tons of blocks ready for that, um, which is totally up to you guys because I've never actually made a block before. So I'm not really sure how that works. Um, and I plan to interview for that and maybe even get someone on the show, teach me how to make a block. That would be really awesome. But, um, so if anyone wants to do that, what's the res at gmail.com, that would be really cool. Um, but negatives main point of attack, at least where I would go on neg would be straight to that counter plan or that, that plan that the affirmative proposed. And that would be an interesting point of attack. But as far as negatives, constructive speech goes, um, it seems like the best way to go is just saying we, the sanctions might put a little bit of pressure because all of these assets are frozen. So that argument I thought was pretty good after you explained it a little bit more, cause I wasn't really sure what it meant at first. Um, and that there's enough pressure there to make him lose some support, and we really have no alternative um, to sanctions. And because military invasion would be bad, all of your alternatives are so bad, so we just got to pick the lesser of millions Several of evils. evils. Several yeah. evils, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, what's your what's your final analysis on this? I I, I think you really hit you hit the high points. Um, I would really probably just look at this as uh, the heart of this debate. Let me get back to the resolution, make sure I get the wording right. So if we're thinking about the United States should end its economic sanctions against Venezuela, analysis needs to focus on the purpose for those sanctions. Right. So AF needs to, I would want to see arguments that are really geared towards, for whatever re- whatever reason you believe the sanctions were put in place, it's not working. So we should yeah, not sure. continue a failed effort. I can just imagine a strong case, like starting out with some kind of proposal that Trump made with the sanctions, or the sanctions began in, two, in um, 2016, like from back then, like, here's why we're putting sanctions on Venezuela, and just have that quote there, and then all of the ways that right. that hasn't worked. That would be such a cool, wholesome case. It could be. It could certainly could be. And then on Neg, um, I, I agree with you. I think Neg's case needs to just really go all in on the fact that this is the m- most effective way that has the least commitment from the United States. Because we are overextended militarily, we are overextended financially, things are good in the American economy right now, but we do not have the resources to get involved in a war in South America. Nor should we get involved in a war on any kind of moral level, but we certainly don't have the resources to pay for a lengthy uh, exploration and conquering of South Amer- of Venezuela to somehow do it for either oil revenues or the, the, the good of humanity or something like that. So we need a way that lets us handle the fact that we are indicating economic disagreement with Maduro without any real commitment. And that's exactly what the sanctions let us do. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we, we hope that this episode is helpful to you. I know, Ethan, you said we had a couple of people asking for an analysis episode on this. Yeah, someone one. commented on the, I think it was the LD one or something, that yep. they were looking for the PF res analysis. So oh. I'm glad that you guys are enjoying the content and that... Um, find it useful and helpful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, we, we certainly appreciate hearing from folks. I, I know we uh, it, it's been almost a year. We're coming up on uh, February 2nd will be our first our show's first uh, anniversary. 
Can you believe it? We're gonna be a, we're gonna oh, hit ten thousand plays before that first year is up. It's gonna be great. It's I, I'm so excited. This has been a great journey so far. Uh, and I, if I'm counting correctly, this is episode ninety nine. So our Ooh. episode for the February public forum tournament or public forum resolution should be episode one hundred. Unless we do UBI today. Oh, that's true. Now that would that would be it. That would be the that'd be the, that's the one. Right. Oh yeah, because yeah, it is UBI. All yeah. right, cool. So anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you being willing to uh, go with us on this particular journey. We really didn't know what we were doing the first time we made an episode, but episode it's been, zero. We've learned so much oh, about yeah. this. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you want to get in touch with us, let us know what kind of arguments you're running, uh, or if any of our suggestions were helpful, or if they were not helpful, we'd also love to hear that as well. Ethan, what are some of the ways people can get in touch with us? If you want to get in touch with us, we're pretty we're more active on Reddit than we were before, and you can find us on Reddit, Instagram, and Twitter at what's the res underscore. You can also email us at what's the res at gmail.com, as I've plugged multiple times in this episode. And if you our website is <laughs> www.whatstheres.com, which has all of our social all of our episodes are uploaded there. You can find everything there as well. So yeah, get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Excited to hear feedback, uh, get into debates, angry email chains, whatever you got for us, um, we're ready for. And until next time, work hard, speak well, and seek the truth. Bye.